listening to the PharmaXL podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network with over 100,000 downloads a month. and a fellow pharmacist. And on this show, I want to help you unlock your potential and flourish as a pharmacist. We'll cover everything in pharmacy, from ways to own your career to self-care, to insights in digital health, pharmacogenomics, and beyond. So PharmDs, stay tuned, because your journey to be inspired to own and excel in your pharmacy career starts here now. Welcome back to another episode of the PharmXL podcast. This is episode two of season two of the PharmXL podcast titled Your Career, Your Way. This episode is all about finding my niche in pharmacy. So in the last episode, I covered my journey as a student to a retail pharmacist. And this is my second um, arm of my journey or the second arm of my career and the one where things really begin to take shape when I find my niche in pharmacy and what uh, I'm really passionate about and practicing as a pharmacist, uh, what I'm uh, curious about and what I want to do, to be honest, for the rest of my career or at least for the foreseeable future. So we ended up the last episode by talking about um, my appointment to the pharmacy council and uh, my journey as a pharmacist manager. So during the heart of the pandemic in 2020, one day as I was practicing as a sole charge pharmacist, I started to black out. I began feeling very, very unwell. My heart started racing. I felt high temperature and eventually was very close to collapsing. There was nobody else in the pharmacist but me and we were operating on skeleton staff. It's fair to say that I was also really burnt out and very desperate to leave retail. I just could not withstand um, the environment anymore and the way that I was practicing just wasn't aligning with who or how I wanted to practice pharmacy. And so what happened that day when I started blacking out and I almost fainted is I immediately called the pharmacist manager or sorry, the pharmacist donor and I said, I really need help. I cannot operate anymore. Pretty much what happened that day is I started closing the pharmacy doors. I went to the staff room and I started almost collapsing. The pharmacist owner arrived very in a very timely fashion and everybody, we had a nearby medical center and they wouldn't have a bar of me. They wouldn't come and help me because they thought I had COVID. It was during the time when COVID cases were start, just starting to emerge in New Zealand. What happened is that the pharmacist manager took over and I was transferred to hospital with an ambulance. I had septic shock. I was hospitalized for two weeks uh, due to a kidney, a severe kidney infection and ureters that were blocked by kidney stones. I stayed for four weeks at home recovering from that infection and eventually returned to work. But when I did return to work, I couldn't cope. It was just far too stressful and I felt this constant voice inside me telling me that this was not what I was meant to be doing. Coincidentally, it was also about a month after I had won a couple of awards or double awards of the primary healthcare awards uh, in New Zealand, one for a retail pharmacist and the other was for research and education. And I couldn't help but feel that there was something better for me out there. It was also during that time that I felt really bad, burnt out and I made a rash decision to quit cold turkey. Now, this is not the wisest decision that uh, I would encourage anybody to ever uh, take. I 
again, put myself in a position where out of being burnt out and out of being stressed, I just decided to quit without a backup plan. Luckily, it worked out for me and I found my path in pharmacy, but I can't guarantee that this happens to everybody and I would not ever encourage people to do that. And it is for this reason that I always ask or request pharmacists to think about ways or plans by which they advance their careers while they're stable in a job because you never know how you feel tomorrow. You never know what happens in that role. You never know if you get fired or made redundant. You just don't know what's around the corner. So it's always good to have a backup plan. And that is why, or one of the main reasons that I started this podcast is I want to show people and show pharmacists that you need to plan your career early on. Sometimes it works out randomly or if you put a plan in place, but it doesn't always uh, happen. And that's why it's good to have backup plans. Anyway, back to my story. I decided to quit uh, cold turkey. I handed in my notice, walked out in four weeks, and I had no idea what to do. In fact, the state that I was in was bad enough that I was deciding to call it quits on pharmacy altogether. Adding to that, I had a health experience, which you'll see how it shapes my career later on, uh, where I suffered immense side effects from uh, a medication, an opioid, which uh, was prescribed to me because of the pain that I endured with my kidney stones. Now, I was taking copious amounts of codeine with literally no effect whatsoever. I was not getting any therapeutic effect. I was just getting a whole lot of side effects. And there were times when I would end up in emergency department again, seeking more pain relief. And all the doctors would be thinking, this is a person who's a drug addict. There's literally no nothing else we can uh, give them and would spend, send me home. It really hurts. It really hurts when you're a health professional and you're stigmatized. And it made me think, you know, if I'm getting prescribed such a a very potent pain relief or an opioid, why am I not responding? This is not what I learned at university. So I kept looking for the answer. I turned the internet upside down. That was back in 2020 until I stumbled upon an article talking about pharmacogenomics. I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder if I have some form of genetic anomaly that means I can't uh, metabolize opioids. And so I got in touch with a whole lot of labs uh, and found one that sent me a test kit. A pharmacogenomics test kit and it was then or a month later after I'd done the test that my results came back and lo and behold I was a, a CYP2D6 poor metabolizer meaning I could not convert codeine to morphine which is the active form therefore I was not attaining any therapeutic effect that was a big aha moment it was a moment of intense anger at the system for not making such a technology widely available for people who would or might need it but I was also really happy. I was happy at the opportunities and I was optimistic about what I can do with this information. Equally, I also felt obliged to share this information with the industry where I am, where I'm in. And this is where I'm at now. And I'll talk about that later on. But anyway, this is my story to become interested in pharmacogenomics. It made me think, how could I not do anything with that knowledge? My journey was the main motive behind where I am today and how I built my own uh, consulting practice. Back to 2020, when I exited retail pharmacy with no plan, I started building my profile on LinkedIn and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no network. Well, I had a little bit of a network, but it was all very mundane, very basic. And it was all people uh, that were just in the industry who were like me, had no idea what to do with their profiles, had really basic profiles and um, were not interactive on the platform whatsoever, apart from the odd, hey, I got a new job, blah, blah, blah. Just the basic. It was also at that time that telehealth or the heart of the pandemic when telehealth was really prevalent. And it was something that I read a lot about and came across a lot on the platform and became increase, increasingly interested in. 
And it made me wonder if doctors can practice virtually and remotely, why can't pharmacists provide the same level of care or the same care and do their medication consultations and so on via telehealth and just have their medications delivered to their door? Why is there need to operate from four walls, especially at the heart of the pandemic? I just found it really intriguing that even though the pandemic was at its height and the cases were spreading, that pharmacies still had their doors open. I couldn't see why on earth we couldn't just deliver medications and have telehealth consultations. And that made the idea very deeply entrenched in my head. So what did I decide to do? As I started networking, networking like crazy with everybody in the telehealth and virtual healthcare industry and digital health. I started attending events. I started um, talking to people about their ideas, their views about I even started talking to doctors about who were doing telehealth consultations at that time and just following uh, leading in, in industry leaders uh, to understand what are the caveats, what are the opportunities for us to practice telehealth or for pharmacists to practice telepharmacy, to, so to speak. I got really interested in it. And interestingly, also at the same time, I call it fate, you might call it something else, there was an emerging telehealth provider in New Zealand who was leading the way in providing telehealth consultations and making telehealth accessible to patients during the height of the pandemic. I looked up that telehealth provider, digitally-led healthcare provider, uh, with a team of medical doctors and so on. I looked them up. I saw them in the news launching the company, and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder what it would be like if I pitched myself as a pharmacist to work on their team. I know that pharmacists can work easily with doctors, and we have a lot of pharmacists who are integrated in general practitioner in general practice. But we don't have a pharmacist who's integrated in a network like that throughout the country remotely. So I made a very brave, courageous decision to reach out to the CEO directly. I didn't reach out to hiring manager. I didn't reach out to anyone. I just looked him up on LinkedIn, and I can tell you in that moment that I was writing the text to the CEO. I had to turn off all types of or, or all means of thinking because I did not want to think about doing it because the more I thought about doing it, the more I didn't want to do it. Despite telling myself that I'm not going to lose anything by not doing this, by not messaging, um, by messaging him, there was nothing to lose. I mean, worst case scenario, he's going to either refer me to his hiring manager or just decline and not reply. So, I reached out to the CEO, I introduced myself, I introduced who I was, I introduced my background very briefly because, you know, and here is a tip for you, if you're going to reach out to someone like that, they don't have time. So it's, you know, maximum four sentences, very brief sentences. And I said, I'm a pharmacist, I'd like to work on your team. Can you provide me with an opportunity to tell you what pharmacists do and how I can help you and how I can advance patient care on your team? And so I was so surprised. I was really taken aback. I couldn't believe it. He actually replied. He said, you're such a go-getter for reaching out straight to me. I can tell your attitude. How about we schedule a call? And so we should, he scheduled a call with me and we got talking. We talked about the opportunity for pharmacists. He asked me to present to his leadership team. Now, again, if you recall correctly, last time I told you that uh, New Zealand is made up of two islands, South Island and North Island, and I live in the South Island. I had to fly up to the North Island to meet his team up in another city and pitch to them about what a pharmacist does and how pharmacists can integrate and embed themselves in a, a team of doctors and nurses and what opportunities lie to enhance the level of care in a multidisciplinary team. I had a whole slide deck. It was pretty much me selling my experience, selling my expertise, but also focusing on how I can provide benefit for their team and what's in it for them. If they hire me today, what are the gains for them? It was really, really cool. 
Um, it, but it was equally really out of my comfort zone. Imagine you're this pharmacist who has no idea what they're doing, just came up with this idea. The next minute, this idea is starting to materialize and you are asked to jump on board and go and pitch to a whole leadership team in a multi-million dollar company. It was surreal and I couldn't believe that I actually had that opportunity. And guess what? I did get hired on the spot there and then. I had to write my own job description and choose my rate and decide my hours. I could not believe it and it was all because I just had the courage to send that one message. And here is the tip that I want to stop and focus on. Do not overthink steps in your career. If it feels right, just do it. The more you overthink things, the more they become overcomplicated and the more you are unlikely to take any action. So please, if something feels right, just head in and do it. If you're curious about something, don't be scared. Just reach out and ask. It's just a question. The worst that's going to happen is that you're not going to get a response. And that's okay. Accept that and move on. So I got hired in that company. I was working about 20 hours a week, helping uh, general practitioners, providing medication reviews, medication reconciliations at point of uh, transitions of care, uh, answering med queries, just doing everything that a pharmacist would do in a general practice, except I was doing it all remotely from the South Island and I was working on North Island in a whole network of practices. And the feedback from patients and prescribers was really great. Coincidentally, also at that time, uh, I told you in the last episode that I was also uh, a multiculturally a multicultural advisory group chair in the city council here out of uh, an adversity that happened in my city. But my position as a chair on uh, in that on the group uh, eventuated and escalated, and I got appointment. Uh, sorry, I got appointed to become a member on an advisory group within the department of the prime minister and cabinet. So because I was already involved at a local level uh, in my local city uh, within a multicultural initiative as a volunteer, I was a good candidate for uh, becoming a member of that higher level group within the parliament or the department of prime minister and cabinet. And what uh, I do on that, and this is one of the other hats I wear, and it wouldn't have happened if I had volunteered initially. So this is a paid job. This is one of my other hats. But if I had not volunteered at a local level, I would not have been in that position right now. And what I do is I call for diverse representation at a ministerial level. So um, I advocate for minority groups. I advocate for safety of minority groups. And how can we develop or build a more uh, diverse, a safer New Zealand for all cultures? It was strengthening for my role in governance and strategy and also it helped me understand the machinery of government. Interestingly, I was also offered to join a political party, which I declined um, because I just did not feel like I could ever be a politician. I just don't think I have it in me to become a politician. Maybe one day I will, but not in the foreseeable future where, you know, at the moment I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. Don't go anywhere, I'll be back right after the break. Hey pharmacists, I'm interrupting this podcast to bring you some phenomenal news. I'm working on something super exciting to elevate your pharmacy career. Head over to www.katrinaazer.com to find out more and join the waitlist if you're interested. And so this is how I became interested in telehealth and I became a telepharmacist, something that I'm really passionate about and I'd like to see more pharmacists practicing remotely, especially at a time when there is a lot of pressure in the industry and there is, you know, what we describe as pharmacist shortage, a lot of dissatisfied pharmacists. I sincerely think that a good solution 
for extending and expanding on the scope of this work forces to practice virtually so that we can practice in more areas and we're not bound by space or time and we can provide the level of care that patients need anywhere and anytime. Back to my journey. I was a telepharmacist in this uh, digitally health, digitally lead healthcare company. I got appointment to the DPMC or the uh, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, uh, cabinet um, and that was my other role. So I had a few things that I was juggling. And equally, I also was really interested in pharmacogenomics. And I was, uh, throughout all of this time, thinking about ways by which I can bring pharmacogenomics to my practice and how I could practice it, how I could bring it to New Zealand, how I could build a model with it, etc. Also, while I was a general practice pharmacist, I started studying a postgraduate in clinical pharmacy. And uh, this is a postgraduate uh, diploma that's uh, done over two years. And I was, um, you know, working very hard to study, take care of my family as a mom working 20 hours and had all these ideas juggling in my head. And I tell you, I could not have done it without journaling and writing everything so that I could organize my ideas and prioritize. Often when we have a lot of ideas jumping at us, we do one of two things. We either do nothing because we're so overwhelmed with the amount of ideas or we get uh, in the depth of every single idea and try to action it all at once. And that is dangerous because then you burn out and quit. Uh, and so I was just writing it all down, taking my time to think about it and taking it one step at a time uh, and actioning those ideas. So while studying in, uh, as in my postgraduate, I also uh, started writing. I started writing online on LinkedIn. So when I built my profile, as I told you about uh, a wee while ago at the beginning of uh, my journey out of retail, I started writing articles online. And I remember writing this article online about uh, tackling the chronic disease burden. If you are on LinkedIn, you can go into my history and you'll find the first ever article I wrote on LinkedIn. It was my first ever write article ever, actually. I wrote it and it uh, gained a lot of views uh, and some likes, some engagement. And I was... Um, you know, it was a good start for me. And so I had um, uh, on the platform, on LinkedIn, a, an editor from a New Zealand pharmacy magazine reach out and say, hey, I've stumbled upon your article. Why don't we publish it in Pharmacy Today, which is the local pharmacy magazine here in New Zealand? And I was just stoked. You know, if I had not put that article out on LinkedIn for everybody to read for free, not expecting anything back, then I would have never, ever had this publishing opportunity. And that was my first ever formal article in a magazine. I edited the article and made sure it was proofread and was suitable for publishing. And I submitted it for my first ever published article in a pharmacy magazine. And this became a monthly rule for me. Another um, feather in my head. And I started publishing articles in this magazine once a month, talking about all sorts of uh, random things. As you can see me writing on LinkedIn, all sorts of articles and um, as in my blog. And um, writing just became more than a job. It became a hobby. I started my newsletter. I think it's been about maybe a year now. Um, I've been writing regularly in my Farmixel blog newsletter. But writing just saved me. And if there is anything I would tell people or pharmacists listening to this now, and here's another tip. If there is something that you feel you like to do or you're curious about, give it a go. I had no idea I was really good at writing. I knew that when I was at school, I wrote really good essays and I wish someone had encouraged me and opened my eyes to my potential in writing. I was a really good reader and speller as well. But I never explored it as a way to, uh, to build a side gig or to nurture this hobby. And the more I write, the more I feel resentful that I did not give myself the opportunity to write earlier on in my career because I did not realize I had that skill. So if there's something that you're curious about that you feel you have potential in or you just want to try it, 
please do because you never know what else happens like if tomorrow i'm not a pharmacist i honestly can tell you i will become a writer and i'm already thinking about writing my first book it's good to have hobbies and it's good to have backup plans because you never ever know what happens so explore your curiosities and your skills back to my journey as well as writing of course um and as well as studying, as well as my role in general practice, 20 hours and so on, I started studying uh, and building my expertise and building my passion in the area of pharmacogenomics and became an accredited pharmacogenomics pharmacist also while studying my postgraduate in clinical pharmacy. One of the things I started doing, which really was the fundamental step to where I am now, to how far my career has grown, is starting to network on LinkedIn and starting to talk about things that I was skilled at and I wanted to see the profession advance in. And these were the things that got me to where I am today in building my audience and growing in my career. I started talking a lot two years ago about telepharmacy and pharmacogenomics, and I became a leading authority in those niches. And adding to that, I started, as I said before, writing a weekly or a bi-weekly newsletter on LinkedIn and that got me the exposure I need not just nationally here in New Zealand I also publish in international magazines such as in Australia um, in the No magazine and Canadian Health Network also publishes my blog from time to time. My blog was the reason I built up my audience uh, and further building up my authority in the niche of pharmacogenomics and telepharmacy and it made me understand the importance of personal branding. And here's another tip. If you want to grow your career, focus on building your personal brand. Branding and personal branding, and I'm going to release a few posts on LinkedIn in the coming week, is not a ploy. Branding is so important for building your career. It is like your live CV. You can't rely on paper CVs anymore. People need to saw what you're like, what you're about. You know, how authentic are you? What value do you bring? What personality do you have? How would you fit in a team? And I could list a whole myriad of questions that people would be thinking about. But pretty much when you are building your career online, you are coming across or, or, or your content and your personality is coming across all the CEOs, all the HRs, everything um, or everyone responsible for decision making in companies. So it is so impo important to get that exposure uh, live and on the long run rather than relying on a paper CV at one point in time to tell people who you are. I have so many opportunities and so many DMs uh, in my inbox every day, people offering me opportunities to work for them. And if I had not uh, had that exposure, if I had not built online, I would have not had those opportunities presented to me. And I can tell you I decline a lot of them because I just don't have the time anymore. Uh, all I'm focusing on now is building my own career and my own company. So please, please, if you take anything out of this episode today, just build your brand online. Uh, your brand is just you communicating who you are, your value, what you bring to the table, what you're about, what you're passionate about, what are your skills uh, all the time instead of one point in time. Back to my career journey and now I'm at the point where I have uh, finished my postgraduate in clinical pharmacy. I've become pharmacogenomics accredited. I'm a telepharmacy pro and now I'm thinking, okay, what next? So I started, since becoming interested in pharmacogenomics and becoming accredited, I started working on a model by which I could bring pharmacogenomics here to patients in New Zealand. It was just about the how. How could I make a model sustainable? How could I make it to build revenue in a country that was oblivious to the existence of pharmacogenomics and patient? It would be very, very hard sell for patients because there is no insurance, no funding. It would be a user pay model. But I was a fan of user pay models. I know a lot of pharmacists out there think, oh, we can't provide services if we're not getting funding or reimbursement for them. 
But as with my osteoarthritis project and the projects I've led in community on retail pharmacy when I was a manager, people are happy to pay for what they see value in. And if you see the value in the offering that or the product that you're offering, it will be very easy for you to communicate that value to someone else. But often enough, we are so worried about the reimbursement that we do not see the value in what we're doing. And we are our own worst enemies and we end up devaluing our own expertise at pharmacists. It is something that frustrates me and I talk about it a lot. So I started beta testing my pharmacogenomics model after getting accredited and or and uh, collaborating with labs, finding labs to partner with overseas and working out the logistics, how I get the, the tests and so on and developing my consultation model and how I can market pharmacogenomics effectively to patients here. I did a lot of beta testing. There was a lot of research and development uh, that went on into building this private business model. Uh, and I collaborated with prescribers in my local community and put myself out there in my local community, providing free sessions and so on and reaching out and look. Facebook groups just talking about what I'm, you know, medications, what I'm passionate about. And then finally, seven months ago, I launched my own um, company, formerly RightMedRightDose.com, and it focuses on providing pharmacogenomics consultations via telepharmacy. I did a lot of business and marketing reading, um, and I can tell you that if I wasn't a pharmacist as well, one of the other things I would do would be copywriting, or I am a copywriter. I do write copy for other people, but also um, just writing ads and marketing and launching websites and so on is one of my very very dear skills and it's something i really value and i love building landing pages but anyway that's a sidetrack i built my company and i marketed it and launched it all on my own um and just by the way if you're still listening i am working on another initiative which you've probably heard in the ad to bring this model um to other pharmacists and to teach them business marketing launching branding skills and everything in combination with uh, growing their career in pharmacogenomics and telepharmacy. They can use these skills in any setting they want, but um, it is something, an initiative that I'm working on. If you want to find out more about it, please do visit the website www.katrinaezer.com. Back to my journey. It was only about uh, three months ago when I launched this podcast. And one of the other opportunities that came out of LinkedIn was I had Todd Yuri from Pharmacy Podcast Network reach out to me to say, you know, your voice really matters, it's really strong. And that was after I had already recorded an episode with Todd about digital health and telepharmacy. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I wasn't already on LinkedIn. So um, Todd reached out to me to say, you know, your voice is strong, you should have your own podcast. It was really interesting because it was that same week I was at the library and out of all books that they would put at the forefront on the bookshelf was a book about starting your own podcast. And coincidentally, I also have a podcast mic, which I received for uh, one of my birthdays because I love to sing and I haven't been singing recently. But anyway, this was a podcast mic that was hiding in a very dusty cupboard. And I stumbled upon it that same week as I was cleaning. And it was all too many signs for me telling me that I should start a podcast. And so I did start a podcast. And here is me recording this podcast. My point is, put yourself out there. The world needs to hear you. And we all have something to say and contribute. And sharing my journey with you for the past few months is a way of me sharing my learning, sharing my skills, contributing to the betterment of the world with my skills. We all have skills that we must nurture. And that was, my friends, my journey from being a student pharmacist and the turmoil I faced to finding my internship site to retail pharmacy and jumping career hoops between pharmacy to pharmacy to find flexibility and uh, a way of practicing that aligns with my uh, needs, my family's needs, and um, just taking care of myself until I eventually still got burned out, left retail pharmacy, and look, I don't want this, uh, my journey 
to say that uh, everything about retail pharmacy is bad. I know there are some amazing retail pharmacies out there and I have a lot of colleagues working in retail pharmacy. It is just that sometimes the understaffing and the issues within retail pharmacy and when there is a focus more on output in terms of prescriptions um, instead of the level of care we provide patients. And I was, as you can see, really passionate about projects and implementing new initiatives. So there was it was not just a retail pharmacy environment. It was more about what I love to do and how I want to practice pharmacy for the rest of my life. Because I loved pharmacy, I just um, did not... Um, particularly align with the way I practiced pharmacy, but that's not to say that there are a lot of pharmacists out there who love what they do and I encourage them to keep going, but I would still find the side gig or side hobby that nurtures you and um, builds your passion in another area. So just to recap um, from the last two episodes, here is what I really want to share with you in terms of the things uh, that you could take away from my journey. So number one, if you're an early career pharmacist or even a latest career pharmacist listening to this, please take the time to explore the options out there for you. Sometimes when we put our head down and just get on with it, we really don't take the time to look around us for the opportunities that exist. I know uh, retail and hospital pharmacy are the main pathways for pharmacy practice, but these are not your only options. And it, I do encourage you uh, to explore what options are there for you because there are many opportunities to specialize in many areas of pharmacy beyond retail and hospital. These are great opportunities, especially at the beginning when you're building your career because they expose you to so many scenarios. And the beauty of retail pharmacy, and this is something I really uh, you know, appreciate, is the fact that it throws you in the, on, in the deep end in so many ways. And there is no one moment this like the next. You're always dealing with complexities, problems, patients' problems, prescription errors, medication errors, and so on and so forth. So it really, really enhances your problem-solving ability. And that's the beauty of retail pharmacy. In fact, I wrote a blog post about what, you know, how all the things I, I learned from being a retail pharmacist. Secondly, don't fear rejection and failure. We all get rejected. Uh, I mean, look at me and look at my journey. I was, uh, I think I was a good pharmacist, but I really, really struggled at the beginning of my journey. Uh, this, this is life. This is what it really is about. You know, look at those hardships, those failures, those rejections as opportunities for self-reflection, uh, adjustment and growth. Uh, ask always yourself, what is this here to teach me? What is this scenario here to teach me? As I said at some point in, in the podcast, this is not, that there is something wrong with you. It is simply that it's not your distant path. Looking back at my journey, if I had been accepted in some of these roles earlier on as an intern, my career trajectory would be 180 degrees different from what it is now. Heck, I don't even think I would have got to where I am now if I had not faced that hardship in my intern year. It almost made me invincible. Uh, sometimes I think that if I hadn't been through all that, I just there is no I would have built my character to the point where I actually welcome challenges and I look at them at learning opportunities uh, rather than things that push me back or things that I'm scared of. I'm not scared to fail because I think I've faced a lot of failure in my life and a lot of rejection that it doesn't really bother me anymore. And the benefits to be derived from failing and rejection far outweigh uh, the feelings or the negative feelings that we encounter from them. Rejection strengthens your character. It makes you look deep within. It makes you want to stand up to those who reject you and 
prove to them and to yourself, most importantly, that you're not going to get in the way or they're not going to get in the way of your success and that you are more than capable. And I can tell you that some of the jobs and opportunities that I've applied in where I got rejected, people have actually reached out to me recently or in the last couple of years to ask me to go and work for them. And that shows you that you know, if you withstand the troubles and the hardships you and you get to where you want, that you can look back to those people and say, look, I was really capable, but it wasn't, it's just that at the time you were not a fit for them. But also it shows that you can't use other people's judgments to decide on the kind of person you are or whether you are a success or a failure. Just because they declined you or they rejected you does not in any way, shape or form or should not in any way, shape or form affect your perception of your value because they did not see deep enough inside me to make a judgment about my capability. They thought I was inadequate, but I proved to them that I am. So it was also an opportunity for me in so many other ways because if they had not tested me uh, and put me under that scrutiny, then perhaps I would not be where I am today. So then I want you to tell me, what rejections have you faced in your career journey and what do you make of them and how did they shape your character today? Or how can you use them as opportunities for growth going forward? I want you to reflect upon these things because sometimes it's not until we look back in hindsight and reflect that we really see how much we've grown in a certain amount of time. We're too busy with our heads down working, but we hardly see the growth. We hardly show appreciation for ourselves and our journeys. And so I really want you to take this moment to do that, to reflect on the past, write down what you learned from it, because that is going to be very important to how you shape your career strategy going forward in the upcoming coming episodes. Thank you so much for listening to my journey the last two episodes. I hope I didn't bore you and I hope you may have uh, found some relatability in my journey. We all face challenges and hurdles. It's what we make of them that shapes the trajectory of our lives. See you in the next episode of the Farm Excel podcast. You've been listening to the Farm Excel podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate and give us a review of this podcast. Feel free to send us your questions and comments to discuss on the show and join me next week for another amazing conversation. Thank you for listening.